Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. And as we continue to march forward, of course, uh, all eyes on Washington, D.C., to see if uh, Congress or the White House are going to get a few things done uh, before the holidays begin. And uh, to help us break that down is our good friend James Walner joining us from Washington, D.C. today, our street. Uh, James, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Looks like it's that time of year again. It is, and uh, we kind of set our watches by this. It's uh, it it feels it's beginning to feel a lot like a continuing resolution. Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> a continuing resolution, a massive omnibus bill that nobody reads. Uh, however, you look at it, it's probably not good. <laughs> Uh, never good when it all gets slumped into one big thing that uh, will get passed in the middle of the night. But let's kind of break down each of the the, the pieces there. And uh, obviously there's a, a lot of attention being uh, paid to any kind of relief or stimulus uh, bill as it relates uh, to the pandemic. Uh, what are things looking like on that front at this point? Well, this certainly appears to be the, the bulk of the focus that members have right now. Uh, You have members like Susan Collins and Mark Warner. They recently had an op-ed, I think, at the Washington Post. You have Joe Manchin, who seems to be involved, a Democratic senator from West Virginia, in all types of bipartisan negotiations. You have uh, Dick Durbin, the Democrat and top Republican, I mean, Democrat on the Judiciary Committee, leading negotiations for his party. And then you have um, you have Mitch McConnell trying to to get liability protections for for his, uh, for companies. Um, and right now, and you have Mitt Romney, a senator from Utah, who is, uh, you know, many people know across the country and your listeners know especially well. And all of these people are trying to negotiate with one another and do different things. And this is the problem that I think your listeners really should emphasize when they reflect on this. All of these people are trying to do things, but no one can see them do them. Right. They go into you know Back behind rooms. closed doors and they yeah. have these negotiations and they say this is the best we can do or man we couldn't do anything because the other person wouldn't agree and we have no idea whether or not that is accurate. Yeah, uh, and that that's what always leads me to hey I don't care where you where you stand on all of this uh, can we not just get Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell to just put some bills on the floor of the House and the floor of the Senate. 
uh, and let's have those debates and those negotiations in front of the American people. I know that's radical thinking, uh, but somehow I think we would get different results than people emerging from behind closed doors saying, well, this is all we can get. I think we've lost. We've. I thought James was just being especially uh, thoughtful uh, in that. And, uh, and so that really is the... Uh, the challenge that uh, again these uh, these members of Congress can I mean they can nego- they all can negotiate as much as they want behind closed doors, uh, but then we we have no idea what's going on. And uh, all right, I think we got James back now. So James, I was just saying, uh, you know, is is this all we're going to get? Can we not get Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi to just put these bills on the floor and let's have a real honest, open debate and amendment process? Well, the best way to do that is to have the members, the rank and file, demand that they put those bills on the floor. And the way to do that is to have voters and their constituents uh, tell their members that's what they want. I am under no illusion that if they were to put legislation on the floor either this week, last week, or even the week before, that it would pass the Senate and the House with an overwhelming vote. Mm. And that should tell us how broken the system is. Yeah. Uh, so so as we look at that, so uh... – so let's kind of break down a couple of other pieces of the puzzle. Uh, again, I think they're all going to get lumped together, as you said in the beginning. Uh, so then we then we have the uh, the NDAA, which uh, the president has already threatened to veto uh, as as it relates to some of the uh, things that are in there. Uh, how do you see that faring in the midst of pandemic and continuing resolution? So this is the National Defense Authorization Bill, a bill that Congress does every single year. And for everybody out in regular America, Congress will authorize or or write into law certain programs, and then it will come back and fund those programs separately. And the same is true for the Department of Defense. The interesting thing is that Congress is also negotiating simultaneously to fund all of these programs in their, you know, in their big omnibus or CR that we're going to get to. But set that aside for a second. Here we have an NDAA that is going to pass with an overwhelming vote. And the president has said he wants to veto it because it doesn't include a repeal of Section 230, which is a liability protection for Internet companies, for tech companies. And I I expect right now that what Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell are doing behind the scenes is that they're pressuring and they're pushing their lawmakers, the rank and file, to vote for this so that they can have an overwhelming vote to send a message to the president that if he vetoes it, then they will override it. And the re- and what their number one selling point is going to be, you don't want to come back after the holidays. <laughs> always, a, always a great thing. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the two things that get you more things done. You don't to come back in a couple of days. <laughs> no, that would be awful. So uh, vote this way. <laughs> uh, imagine that, to have to come back to work uh, after Christmas would be just terrible for most people. Uh, but uh, hopefully Congress will will actually have to do that. Uh, so th- those are interesting messages. Uh, and then, of course, just the funding of the government in general, the CR, uh, this big package that I'm sure will be uh, voted on. Uh, it always seems to be a vote at about one thirty or 2 o'clock in the morning uh, when everyone is exhausted. No one is willing to fight anymore, uh, and everyone just lays down, and no one's read it anyway. Uh, is there any way to get us past this perpetual problem it seems like we're just kicking the can down the road uh and and maybe james maybe just describe for our listeners what what that continuing resolution really means what does it allow the government to do so the the fact that we haven't passed any funding bills yet in congress is what's keeping everybody around and i think that's intentional congress has all year to pass their appropriations bills and they don't they choose not to bring them up they choose not to try to vote on them 
they choose not to try to adjudicate their differences. And I think that's by design because it creates a, a cliff, a, a, some sort of a, a situation in an extraordinary emergency where everybody has to stick around and then they can do all of this other stuff, too. If Congress, if they don't, if they can't pass all of these bills at once and a big omnibus bill here in the next week, then what's going to happen is they're going to pass, as you said, a continuing resolution, which basically says we're going to continue all of the funding that we last authorized or last passed in our appropriations bills for this period of time, for a certain period of time, maybe into to January or February. And that really will tie the hands to, of a lot of administrators in terms of what they're able to do and not do. It may commit them to spend funds that, that they don't want to spend or that are outdated and don't need to be spent. It may not address other issues uh, whatsoever, but it basically says, let's just continually continue things as they are right now. Yeah. And that's the amazing thing to me. You know, I don't know another human or a company anywhere in the world that when they're running out of money can just say, you know what? I think we should have a CR for the uh, Matheson household. We're going to, we don't have any more money, but we're going to keep spending at the level we're currently spending uh, it by uh, declaring a uh, continuing resolution. I, I just don't know anywhere else on the planet that actually works. <laughs> right. So, they can't get an agreement ostensibly because they can't prioritize. Although I would add that the vote outcomes on these omnibus bills are likely to be overwhelming as well. But mm -hmm. set that aside, just take their arguments at their face value. They can't agree. So they can't agree on what they should and should not spend taxpayer dollars on. So let's just spend it on everything. Right. <laughs> A great way that's to solve the problem. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we... <laughs> just, we'll, we'll just keep going forward. That's right. If we can't agree on what to spend on, we'll just spend it on everything. That sounds like a uh, a lovely model there. Uh, well, James, always appreciate your insight. We're going to have you back soon because I want to talk to you about uh, how things are going to play out uh, with the president-elect's cabinet picks and the confirmation process that will be coming up in uh, January that will also be very interesting. But uh, James Wallner with us from uh, R Street Consulting, uh, just one of the great thinkers in Washington, D.C., all things Congress. Uh, James, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, uh, we're going to go ahead and step aside <laughs> when we come back. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some interesting things as it relates to this whole idea we threw out last week. Should we have a Forgiving Wednesday to go with our Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday? Is Forgiving Wednesday really what we need? Find out next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.